This is a podcast by The Straits Times. Hi, welcome to Health Check. I'm Joyce Teo, a senior health correspondent with The Straits Times. More people are using mobile apps to take charge of their health, including mental health. But how do they work? Who are using them and can mental health apps replace traditional therapy with a psychologist? Also, how safe are these apps and how do they safeguard health data and protect users' privacy? So to find out more, we speak to Dr. Oliver Sunderman, a psychologist and the Vice President Clinical at Mental Health App Intellect. Hi, Dr. Sunderman. Hi, Joyce. So Intellect, you've been around for four years, right? Tell mm. us more about these users. How old are they? And then do we know what conditions they have? in order for you to help them? Thank you. Yeah, so we have an app and also a virtual platform through which we give all age groups access to mental health care services. The highest usage we see in a group uh, of people aged 25 to 34. We're now serving over 3 million users across our platforms and we've seen stellar growth, especially during the COVID year. So that's when we really picked up a lot on the need for mental health care. In terms of conditions we see, so Intellect is an end-to-end mental health solution. That means we cover both crisis care, so people really in need, of mental health support, having depression or more severe mental health conditions, but that's a smaller group, maybe 3 to 5%. Most of the users fall in the sort of moderate risk severity range, which is you know, people having burnout, you know, general mood problems, but they're able to function. They can go to work or they can go to school and study, but they're not sleeping so well or they may have relationship problems. Sort of quite common challenges most of us would face. So that we're looking at maybe 50 to 70% of people and then between 20 to 40% of people are sort of more in the healthy range on that mental health spectrum. They're sleeping well, they have healthy relationships, but they may still struggle occasionally with mood or not performing so well at work. And then we have the more reactive sort of solution where via the helpline, users can dial in and get in the moment support and we, we match them with coaches and counsellors. Right, but the, the ones that you mentioned, I mean, the majority mm. are those that are fairly healthy, and then they might have yeah. burnout issues or relationship issues, right? So if they go to the app, mm. do they just go there and interact with somebody? Um, no, they wouldn't How immediately interact. So when you sign up, we do a very structured assessment. We have one of our recent science-backed tools we have is help, that's called Personal Insights. So when you come on the app, you, you do a self-assessment, 26 items, very quick, takes about five minutes. It's fun, it's engaging, and you learn about your areas of uh, need and growth. And then the app makes intelligent recommendations on the areas you can work on. So we first screen and help people to decide what they want to work on. And then we guide them towards the content that best suits their needs. So it could be relationship, could be mood, could be work-related. And then there's content available and then that could be self-guided. But if the app picks up that there's higher risk, you know, if the user shares that they have thoughts of wanting to harm themselves or not wanting to live, then we guide them towards a clinician as well. And we also give sort of SOS numbers and encourage them to seek help in the moment. I see. Okay. I mean, this sounds like it's a, this is like a platform that's used by companies, right? Rather than, you know, as Mm -hmm. an individual, you actually go there when you need help. Consumers can download it, but it is correct. The vast majority of people come through the B2B route, where Intellect gives mental health benefits to companies and we, we did start out with a mission to make mental health care accessible to everybody. It's mm-hmm. a very grand mission. But one of the challenges we encountered is the affordability uh, side of things. As you probably know, mental health care, especially privately, is very expensive, mm-hmm. you know, sometimes in the hundreds. And so who can afford that, right? So for us to bridge that affordability gap, we thought that's a very viable route to give benefits to companies, employees, and then they can access the full suite. 
of the content and also the coaching and the counseling via the platform. Mm, okay, so as an individual, you were saying there's this platform as well. Do they have to pay? Right. Um, there's free content. You don't have to pay. So there are certain self-guided modules that help you to work on things like compassion, body image, mood, anxiety, sleep, and so on. But there is, there's a premium version as well, and you can pay a monthly fee and to access the, the, the wider suite of uh, content. Oh, how much is it? It's about, I think it's 5 $6 a month, if oh, I'm not mistaken. Okay. But it sounds like self-guided therapy. So the onus is on me to do something about it, right? Correct, for the self-care. So we're looking at the spectrum I, I mentioned earlier, right? the mental health spectrum where we all are. So for people who fall into the less crisis sort of bracket mm. um, with mild to moderately severe mental health problems, mm. self-guided care is actually quite recommended. It's, it's recommended by evidence-based guidelines as well. So if I have low mood, yeah. it makes a lot of sense to for me in my own time to, uh, to actively work on it. It doesn't suit everybody. And we are... Um, creatures of habit humans yeah. so often you know i'm not going to lie it's, it's, you know it's not easy and it doesn't suit everybody to to just work with an app on your own needs which is why we see actually much higher return on investment and and much better outcomes when we partner individuals with a coach or a health professional then they hold you accountable right they'll give you homework to do they yes. check in and um, work together with you in a team rather than you being on your own I see. Is that a big part of the business then? Mm, it's a very big part, yes. Oh. So how many coaches do you have? Um, I think it's in the, yeah, it's a few few hundred coaches. Around the world? Well, we're, we're Singapore founded company and so our headquarters here and that's our biggest market and we serve APAC in particular, but we do have a LATAM office as well and we're in Japan as well and Hong Kong. So Perfect. broadly speaking, three uh, types of uh, professionals. One is uh, ICF coaches. So these are sort of career coaches uh, that focus a little less on the mental health side of things. But we know working on work-related topics like how can I give feedback uh, to my colleagues or how to be more um, better with time management at work also plays a role. And then two is counselors. So these are mental health professionals who have training in counseling. They have a master's degree in counseling and uh, more than 300 uh, practice hours. And they need to be accredited with the respective associations from the countries they work in. And then we have clinical psychologists as well uh, in our provider pool. And these are mental health care professionals who tend to work with the more severe type of problems. So they diagnose as well. They, they may work with things like OCD or more severe depression. And so then, again, depending on the person's need, they get channeled into those brackets. So if you actually need help like say longer sessions are these all is it a hybrid mode like some of them might be virtual and then some sessions are physical could be could be could oh. be so you could have some sessions in person so i'm by training a clinical psychologist myself and i'm i'm actually doing a few uh, just a handful of sessions myself and so i had a recent client who i saw physically in person in our clinic in tanjapaga so these are uh, one hour sessions in person and this person had OCD, and so some of the mental health problems she had were actually more pronounced in the home environment. So then some of the sessions were also virtual, where she would then take the, the therapy session with me over a secure virtual call. Um, so I could guide her at home to do some of the exposure work. I see. So generally, just looking at mental health apps, I mean, can they actually be a substitute for therapy? Personally, I don't think so. I don't. I know in you know the age of we live in the age of generative AI, and so there's a worry. You know, uh, mental health chatbots replace therapists. I strongly think we're still very far off. Uh, even though I think it's very exciting the opportunities we see in that field. So short answer is no. I don't think apps can replace the human interaction. And the main reason is, in my view, is that 
the human connection you have with the therapist or the, the healthcare professional you work with, you, you can never really replace through a bot, I think. Because just the knowledge that you're talking to a machine will make it very hard for you to experience empathy, which we know is a super important ingredient in successful counseling or therapy. But having said that, for milder issues, like we said earlier, I think the, the apps can be super powerful as well. And again, a very good entry point where I can assess myself and get a better idea who I am and what I need, and then go from there. And then uh, if it suits my style and my personality, I, I can work on it in my own time. And then I may discover that I'm not making the progress I hoped for. And then maybe then I escalate up and match with a counsellor. Right. But, but it is a mental health app. So I guess when you go into it, and that's digital, yeah. right? You're not talking Correct. to anybody. You're just doing the five-minute test by yourself. Correct. And then when it's being matched, you get a message. It's through the app, right? It's not talking to somebody. Yeah. you'll uh, Based on your, your language, your country, and uh, the goals you want to work on, you get a selection of, of professionals that the algorithm thinks are best suited for your needs, and then you can select that person and, and you go from there. Find us on Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or via the Google Voice Assistant and Amazon Alexa-enabled devices. And now back to our podcast episode. Now back to my conversation with Dr. Oliver Sunderman, the Vice President Clinical at Mental Health App Intellect. Okay, so you make an appointment by yourself on the app. Yes, yes, precisely. So it's quite seamless. It's quite intuitive. Right. So within seconds, you can actually pair with a coach and then, you know, oh. set a next day appointment if you if you want to. Oh, that's fast. Yeah. Provided the company pays for it. I'm sure Pro there are different tiers. <laughs> <laughs> provided your company pays for it or provided you pay out of pocket. That's also possible, of course. But I mean, I was just wondering for apps itself, um, will it? help people in the sense that maybe less people will need to see a therapist? I, I think that's actually a very good question. So if I look at our own data, many of our clients with large enterprise clients with large workforces and the end-to-end -end care plan where the employees have both the app, the coaching, but also the clinical care where they have longer sessions, right? So actually the utilization for clinical sessions is on the lower side. But the utilization on the proactive side is very, very high. That's for the app and the coaching. Coaching meaning these are 30-minute sessions where I work either with a career coach or counsellor. Very cautiously, I'd say that it is a very effective preventative solution. And it kind of makes sense. If you actively work on good mental health habits, that's just like you know going to the gym regularly to exercise your body, eating healthily, improving your nutrition, that's going to have good impact on generally your well-being and your health. And so the same goes for mental health, which we know is so intertwined with physical health. Uh, it's just different side of the same coin, really. And so we know working on your mental health, you sleep better, that affects your cardio in, in a good way, your cardio system. And so then you likely live longer, you have happier, longer lives. Mm -hmm. So we have very good reason to think that we're actually helping people to live happily ever after. <laughs> or live, <laughs> live, live longer, healthier right. lives, let's put it this way. Okay. I mean, if that's possible, that'd be great. Yeah. yeah but, so um, it, it points towards uh, that. At least that's right. what we see on the on the data utilization. Right. With greater um, awareness of mental health. Yeah. I mean, I'm also asking that because there's just not enough therapists around, psychologists, psychiatrists, you know, people in this industry. Let's see if I'm in Singapore. Yeah. Will I be paired with somebody in Malaysia, Indonesia or somewhere else? No. No. You'll be paired with I a local see. provider. So. The large majority of the providers we work with um, are behavioral health coaches. But we have a very substantial clinical panel as well, and we have an in-house clinical team. We have just hired a full-time clinical psychologist in my team 
who sees clients both from the general public, but also through the B2B stream. So there are two full-time clinical psychologists. There's a few more across the region. So the clinical team is actually 17 or 18 people. We have in my team, and half of those are either counselors or clinic psychs. That's the in-house team. But the large majority of providers are contracted uh, therapists uh, or counselors who commit to five or more hours per week. So they, they log into our platform, we, we do all the admin work for them, and they come on, on the platform and they serve the employees and the clients. Um, just to add maybe one more point, the Duke NUS IMH study, the recent one that, that found that I think 14% of um, employees have symptoms consistent with depression. So that's a very, very large number. So these are people who are actually working or they, they take you know sick leaves, but they are on payrolls. And that's a very, very high number. So it's actually still a lot of people mm. have actually quite severe problems, even though, of course, the flip side of it is that, you know, 85% of people uh, maybe don't have depression, but mental health is on a spectrum. Right. So you may not meet the full diagnostic criteria for depression, but if if you have sort of milder to moderate depression, that's still quite, you know, not very fun to have and it affects your sleep and yeah. your, your relationships and your productivity at work quite significantly. People don't know or they don't want to talk about it. <laughs> that's another problem with the stigma, right? Uh, Working on that to break that down. Yeah, that's true. So with more of these, yeah, it, mm. it should help. So I wanted to ask you about health data privacy. Mm, yeah, so earlier it was very interesting. You said that you have um, career coaches, right? Some of the questions would be like, questions pertaining to work, if you are burnt out or you're not happy, or maybe you're not happy with your bosses or what's happening right now. So how safe is this data? I mean, how do, is this something that people type out or mm. say? So if you choose to do one of the screening measures we have, right, then you don't type, it's just thinking, uh, answering some questions. And then if you then match with a coach or counsellor, then you speak to that person, um. virtually or in person. Right. And then the big question, of course, is, you know, what do we do with the data, how safe it is, mm. and how do we give assurance to both the, the user, the employee, and the company that yes. we're doing the very best we can to, to protect their data at all costs. So how yeah. safe is that? And then if you speak to the person, let's say it's a virtual meeting, mm -hmm. is it recorded? No, it's never recorded, and it's extremely safe. So when we talk about data confidentiality and privacy, that's obviously a huge topic, right? Especially since mental health is so heavily stigmatized and it's so personal. And, you know, most people worry about their bosses perhaps finding out, right, that they're speaking to someone, and then they worry that that affects their career or their work relationships and so on. So it's a very, very real worry. And so from the start, we put a lot of emphasis to make sure that we have all the right measure, data protection measures in place. So we're talking about encryption as one, and then who has access to the data as well. And in rare circumstances, how do we disclose data if there's a need for it? So first of all, encryption. So at Intellect, we use zero-knowledge encryption, which is uh, one of the highest forms of encryption. So that means even as a company, Intellect, we can't access the, the data you share with your therapist who then writes some case notes. So that is not accessible by anybody except the therapist. So that's called zero-knowledge encryption. And beyond that, we are compliant with the, all the, the major um, sort of data laws. So obviously PDPA in Singapore, we're HIPAA compliant as well, and ISO um, 27001, which lays out the information security uh, measures to take, you know, to make sure that within intellect as well, all the data is is, is protected as best as it can in, in line with the law. Right. So for case notes, then it will be, you will need my consent as an... Yeah. 
as a so, user to share with the company? Mm -hmm. So uh, as a user, you have a right to know what happens with your data. So when you, at various points, so when you say you download the app, you give consent or you, you're, you're being educated how your data is used and how the data is encrypted. When you match with a clinician, And then in the first session, I mentioned earlier, there's a standard protocol, how we assess and so on. Part of that assessment is to for you to also learn about the data confidentiality policy. But yeah, just to be clear, we're very aware that this is a huge concern and we did everything possible to really make sure that everything is encrypted and in line with the law. Okay, so that's interesting. So what do you do with the data then? Because, you know, there are all these articles going around. I've mm. read that, you know, all these health, uh, wellness apps, they collect data and then to provide service, you want to make money out of it, generate mm. revenue, be it through targeted advertisements or, you know, selling the information yeah. to others. Yeah, so we never ever do that um, because like I said, it's zero encryption, so there's nothing for us to share. So there's no third-party sharing, there's no ads. And so on. we never do that. But I, I know there have been some very bad publicity cases in the US where private uh, mental health care companies, there was a leakage of data or data was sold. So, so we would never, ever even go close to that. Okay. Fingers crossed. I hope but so. It is a common concern, of All course. Right. Yeah. Right. And then the data privacy weight flags, right? But what, I mean, do we as an individual, as a user, what can I look out for that? That's as, for more for the companies, right? Um, You, but you can ask as an employee and you should ask how's your data right. managed. So there's a few red flags. So inadequate mm. um, data protection measures, for example, um, is one. So you want to know how, how's your data protected. Mm. So again, zero knowledge encryption is you know is a good answer to that. Lack of transparency as well. Um, if you're not educated about how your data is used as a red flag. So you need to fill out, cons you need to actively consent to how your data is used. And then third party sharing as well. You need to ask about that whether the app you're using or the EAP, the employee assistance program you're going with, is sharing any third party, like sharing your data with third parties. Oh, and there'll I be see. a huge red flag, of course, if they answer that with yes. So you have to ask your company. And if it's using an app, you actually have to look at the terms and conditions. Oh my God, all Correct. this. I'm afraid so, That's yes. Crazy. <laughs> okay. You can put it in chat GPT and, oh. and get some help on it. <laughs> right. Thanks for your time, Dr. Sunderman. Thank you so much for having me. Well, that's a wrap for Health Check, a podcast series by The Straits Times. I'm Joyce Teo. Don't forget to share this podcast episode with your friends and family. If you'd like to read my articles, we have links in the podcast text description below. That was a podcast by The Straits Times. Send your feedback to podcast at sph.com.sg. Find us on Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or via the Google Voice Assistant and Amazon Alexa-enabled devices. For more podcasts by The Straits Times, The Business Times, and Money FM 89.3, you can also download the audio by SPH app. That's A-W-E-D-I-O.